let's talk about the surprising truth about why demos fail to sell. Many startups in the software as a service space, well, they're run by really great technologists. But the fact is, they don't know anything about selling, and so they suck at it. They don't know anything about marketing, and so they suck at it. Their biggest error is the belief that if only a prospect will go through their live demo over the phone and the web, they will be so bowled over by the features of the SaaS that they'll buy immediately. This kind of makes me think of a scene from the book Jaws by Peter Benchley. Somebody says, hey, I'm so-and-so. And the guy who's hearing this goes, and what am I supposed to do, fall on my ass? <laughs> and that's exactly what it seems that these SaaS founders are thinking. But it turns out that this isn't the case. Because the technologists aren't trained salespeople, their only response is, well, let's do more of what we know. Let's try and ramp up those demos. And so the word goes out to the sales team, book demos, book demos, book demos. I can tell you from over 10 years of experience with this, it doesn't work. If you send more prospects through more demos, that doesn't really lead to more sales, does it? I mean, you might think it would, but all you're going to get is a trickle of an increase. It's not the best bang for your buck. You're missing out on something that you could and should be doing. Something that any trained salesperson, of which there are fewer than you think out there, would know to do instead. Something that would make the sales life so much easier. And here it is. Qualify for pain points. Does this prospect have an urgent problem that your software as a solution solves? If it doesn't, there's no need to invest time and energy into the demo, is there? If there is, then running the demo makes perfect sense as a presentation phase of the discussion, doesn't it? So the secret here is to only present to qualified prospects. If they aren't qualified, don't run the demo because you're going to be talking to a brick wall. There's no buy-in there. And so it becomes the job of the marketing funnel to qualify this prospect as much as they can before they talk to a live human being at the SaaS firm. What this does is it ensures that the salespeople are using their time effectively. The prospects are being traded fairly too in this situation instead of being forced to sit in jail through a technical demonstration they have no real emotional interest in. They're shown how the solution fixes a problem that they're in a hurry to solve after they've acknowledged that they have it. It's key to get this buy-in. The prospect has to admit that they have the problem. Now another thing that has come up and this came up today when I was recording an episode of the Cold Star Project with Pat Laverne, who's really good at sales processes. His, his, his example was 40 some odd features that their software as a service has. Your prospect is not going to be interested in all 40 plus of these. They're going to be interested in four or maybe even one. And I have this from my own experience which I described in that episode, the people who buy only buy for a small number of reasons. They don't need all 
They're not going to appreciate the grandeur of the solution that you're bringing to them. They only have a problem that they want solved by one thing that your solution provides. Let them buy it based on that first. Educate them later. Now, how do I know this? Well, we have to look at what happened in the professional software as a service, value-added retailer, value-added seller world, okay? A lot of young founders in SaaS won't know about this because they were still in high school eight years ago. My first role in the U.S. when I moved to Vancouver and was allowed to work finally in North Carolina in 2010 was a senior consultant to a sales training firm. We worked with many software as a service value-added resellers back then. These were typically small accounting and tech firms. They'd take leads given to them by Sage, Microsoft, so on big developers, right? And they'd have this soft sale process to run through. It was easy for them. It led to implementation and profitable service work by the value-added reseller, the VAR. So keep in mind, this was just after the 2008 meltdown. So the big developers like Microsoft, these guys had to make some really harsh decisions to cut their costs. And those decisions had huge impacts on their VARs. So as I said, until the meltdown, the developers had been doing all this cold calling, running the full marketing stream for their VARs, and they'd hand off these easy leads. So you can imagine that, this big company doing all that work for you, and suddenly they stop. And all the requirements for prospecting are now passed down to the frontline salespeople at the VARs. i got to tell you about these people. These folks were typically accountants who had somehow wandered into the field of sales. It's sort of, oh, well, I guess I'll take it on, you know, if I have to. I guess it's kind of a neat way for the company to make money. And they're used to getting these soft leads that are easy to close. Now, without their having made the decision that they even really wanted to be involved in sales, they find themselves given lousy, and I mean really lousy, marketing pieces from the devs to push in front of prospects. These marketing pieces say, airy things like will help you achieve your business goals that, that communicates nothing and this is what they've got to work with the whole tone of communication between the developers and the vars changes overnight it's like you do what we say suddenly this command and control thing is in effect and the var staff are now expected to make cold calls they go cold not only that, but these poor accountants have to record the prospecting information into the developer's massive online database. So imagine this. You've taken on sales of this software kind of by accident, sort of as a favor. Warm and hot leads have been given to you, so it was kind of fun. You get used to this. And for years, right? Then all of a sudden, this is ripped away. And instantly, you're expected to be this great salesperson with Superman prospecting skills. Now, a lot of great closers out there don't have great prospecting skills. These are in short supply, people. So you didn't ask for this, and it makes you feel really deeply uncomfortable. And then to add insult to injury, some faceless whipmaster at Microsoft or something is like screaming at you through email that you must add to their business intelligence by entering the data you collect into their database. I can tell you, having been there, a lot of people at the VARs just threw up their hands and quit. 
lots of accountant types who never really wanted to be in sales in the first place, threw up their hands, said, screw this, and walked out and went into another profession. I saw a lot of people cry. I was on many telephone calls with frustrated, disappointed, angry bar staff. People who had given 10 or more years to their company and they felt betrayed. I heard all this firsthand. And for those who remained, there was a realization that they needed to make an investment in solid B2B prospecting skills. They needed to learn this stuff. And that kind of education is where I and the business I worked for came in. We got to see and hear all of this from the inside. The changing of the guard was quick. After only a couple years, just the people who really meant it were still in sales roles at the bars. I want you to notice how fast market conditions can change, even when you think you've got a good thing going on. And also, the professional B2B world is not the same as the one we see run by amateurs, frankly, amateurs from the internet marketing world that lots of us see today. That new industry is not mature. It is very immature. And I don't mean that in a childlike sort of way. I mean, they haven't developed the kind of relationships that the developers and the VARs had. Maybe you should be looking and listening to guys like me for the future of your industry if you're in that. Because I've seen what a mature industry looks like for your niche. This has been a peek into that world. If you recognize that you're in this kind of position and you want to do better, if you want to strategically be ready for market cataclysms and changes in maturity level and be ahead of your competition, then book a call with us at coldstartech.com.